Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. the Lord while we were on a cruise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I worship some steak for about five days every night at meal at a meal. I ate steak every night. Thank y'all for allowing us to spend some time away. It's uh, part of the culture of our church that we recognize that leaders need a break occasionally. And so every one of our staff members gets to do that. And we, we just believe that is important. Um, we missed you. There's no place like home. Man, and so we were glad to be back with you. I just need to warn you, I'm probably going to lose my voice. Uh, the more I preach, the stronger it gets. The less I preach, the weaker it gets. And so I haven't been preaching, so I'm liable to lose my voice this morning, but that's okay. I want to say some, uh, a few things. I want to thank our staff, our pastoral team that uh, held this thing down, all the volunteers that uh, made it possible for us to take the break. We appreciate you guys. Um, I have uh, pastor friends that will literally tell me they cannot be away. Um, and that's not the case here, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the speakers that brought the word. I, I, I told y'all, y'all don't want to believe me, but I told y'all that, uh, that that time is some of the best preaching you'll get all year, and I hope you enjoyed it. And we just are trusting God that uh, he's going to make all that they said, all the words that came out are going to just bear fruit in us, all right? Well, um, let me pray for you, and then we're going to talk. Father, we're thankful for this day that you've given us to gather together as a family. And we just believe that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you're right here with us. We're not here by ourselves. You're here, and you want to speak to us, and you want to guide us and direct us and help us to see everything that you have for us come to pass. I pray that you'd help us today, help us to lean in, to discern, to listen carefully, uh, not to have preconceived ideas, but to literally listen to what you're saying, what the Spirit is saying to us as you guide and direct us. And Father, we'll call that good and we'll call that a great thing and we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, several years ago, there were 12 men riding in the back of an open uh, four-wheel drive truck as it bounced across the desert and the wadis uh, in Israel on the way to Moses' mountain, which we call Sinai. Uh, the truck was driven by an Israeli guide, and this guide made sure that he kept the truck in the tracks of the trucks that had gone that way previously, and they just continued on their journey. But three days into the journey, one of the men in the back of the truck looked up on a distant mountainside, and he recognized what he thought was a mine. And so they got the uh, driver to stop, and they asked him questions. And the Israeli guide made mention, that's a turquoise mine. It's been shut down for a while. And the men looked at the guide, and they said, listen, we want to go check out that turquoise mine. Will you please drive us, because it's a pretty good distance away. Would you please drive us over there to the foot of the mountain so that we can explore that mine and perhaps find some turquoise. The Israeli guy looked at them and said, absolutely not. 
He said, you need to understand that as a guide, I'm just telling you that we always keep the truck in the tracks of the truck that went before us because you don't know this, but in our history, when we were having confrontations with Egypt, we would come into these areas and we would lay landmines so that when we were in battle and the Egyptians would begin to retreat, they would not know where the landmines were and it would destroy them on the retreat and we mapped it all out carefully. The only problem is, is that they must, must have been like Oklahoma last night, rains came and washed down through the wadis and all the landmines have been displaced and dislodged and now we don't know where they are and so we stay in the tracks. And he said, in fact, a few months ago, one of our colonels was driving a Jeep and he wandered out of the ruts of the previous trucks and they hit a landmine and it killed him. And so, no, I will not drive you to the mountain. In fact, uh, I will sit right here, and if you want to go to the mountain to check out the turquoise, you'll have to walk, and if you make it back, I will be waiting on you. And so the men set out, and they came back hours later with their pockets full of beautiful turquoise nuggets. And the driver looked at the men, and he made this statement. He said, most pilgrims choose to stay in the safety of the ruts. And then he reminded them that Tradition had kept the Jews alive all these centuries, but then he smiled and he concluded his statement by saying this, but we don't have any turquoise either. Ruts are safe and ruts are comfortable. The author that relates this account was actually the one leading the trip and he concludes that nothing is worth the, the dying the death, a death from saneness. Nothing is worse than dying from death caused by sameness. The author developed an axiom out of that experience. I've probably mentioned it to you over the course of our history. It goes like this. It's, the author lived by it. Uh, he said, I'm going to attempt something so big for God that unless God intervenes, it'll fail. And as I think back over the course of the history, our church began in our living room uh, two, in 2006, in the fall of 2006, we gathered with seven other couples um, out past County Line Road uh, over here in North Oklahoma City. Sitting in a living room, we began to talk and that axiom coursing through our minds. And what I recognize is I, is I look back over the conception of our church, that axiom grabbed a hold of our spirit and we whittled it down to one word to make it even simpler. And as a corporate group, all seven couples, we looked at one another in that, in that living room and we made this statement before the church ever really started. We said, we want more. It became the mandate. It has been the mandate of our church ever since. The passage of scripture that I want to draw your attention to forces us and causes us to focus about this, on this mandate again. I'm not going to read it all for the sake of time, just a short passage, and then I'll fill you in. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. It says this, one day Elisha went to Shunem, and a prominent woman of the city invited him in to eat, and afterwards... When he passed that way, her food must have been good. And afterward, it must have been like cruise food. And afterward, whenever he passed that way, he stopped for dinner. And she said to her hus husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy prophet. Let's make a little room for him on the roof. We can put in a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp, and he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. For the sake of time, let me mention some things out of this account. It's obvious that this prophet 
would, uh, on a regular basis, we don't know how often, but on a regular basis, he would make a journey into this area of the country. And when he did, he would stop and visit with this particular family and they would feed him. Now the, 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 the wife of the home decides, you know what? We need to go one step further. We need to turn his visitation into a habitation. And so they renovate the house so that the prophet will have a place to stay when he comes in their direction. The rest of the story is that on one of these particular visits, the prophet's there and he calls in the woman and he prophesies over her and he says, you know what? I know you're barren. You don't have any children. You've longed for children, but you've never been able to conceive. And so now what I'm telling you is I'm prophesying over you that within a year's time you will have a son. A year later, lo and behold, baby boy. Miracle. The story continues that uh, this, I don't know if he's a toddler, I don't know if he's a teenager, but at some moment in the life of this young man, he becomes sick and he literally dies. And the woman goes on a journey and she finds the prophet and she brings Elisha back to her home. And he walks up to this little room that they constructed for him that he stayed in on multiple occasions. And when he walks in the room, the little boy is laying on the bed dead. And the Bible says that Elisha stretched out on him, put his mouth to mouth and breathed into him spoke over him and resurrection life brought this little boy back to life. The, the, this woman uh, built a room for Elisha because she realized that she needed more of the presence of the prophetic in her life. She recognized the need for more, but here's the difference that separates this woman from most people. This woman was actually willing to take the next steps necessary to make, make room for more. Most of us know that there's more, we see more, but we won't ever take the steps necessary. It's her example that I want to focus on today because I need to remind you that we have, uh, we were birthed in a recognition that we needed more. And along the way, we've made crucial and critical decisions and taken steps to see more come to pass. And after every move, we have experienced more. I can stand here today with no doubts in my mind, unequivocally, with no hesitation, state to you that although all of those steps we've taken have produced more, I can tell you with no doubt that even after 16 years of pursuing more, there's still more out there. I think about the steps we've taken like starting in a living room and then doing preview services and then going into an event center and then being ridiculously crazy and working 18 hours a day in a storefront on Northwest Expressway renovating and believing that there was more for us and then having this facility so I'm driving back and forth and doing both like somebody that had lost his mind and, and then we bring it all here and in every moment starting a hope center in every moment our willingness to take steps has produced more. But the pattern hasn't changed. Until we're ready to make and take steps necessary for more, until we are ready and willing to make more moves, we will not experience more. Here's the issue with more moves. I just, I'm just sharing my heart with you this morning. Here is the issue that presents itself to us when we start talking about making these kind of steps, these kind of moves. Number one, more moves are scary. I guess I'm the only one. 
that's ever been faced with God telling you to do something and it's scary. If you don't believe that, all you got to do is read your Bible and you come into contact with men like Abram. When God says, I'm going, I want you to move, take all your possessions, your belongings, leave all your family behind and go somewhere that I'm not even going to tear where you, tell you where you're going. You just got to follow me. Uh, you got to look at guys like Gideon who, who recognize I don't have the strength necessary to confront the enemy in front of me. And he says, just trust me and blow the trumpet and bust some pots and 300 are going to overtake thousands. And all you got to do is go into the New Testaments where fisher, guys that are making their living fishing, all of a sudden are called to make a move and become fisher of men. And it's scary. It's terrifying. Everything in, in us demands that we play it safe. Our heart and our head scream, stay in the ruts. I, I, I've told you a story before. I, I had the, the most recognition of this fact as, a, as a maybe, I think I may have been 26, 27, 28 years old. I'm standing on a mountain in Tennessee with skis on my feet on a, on a slope that is covered with what was supposed to be snow but was literally ice. And I'm inching my way down because I'm from Oklahoma and we don't ski like that in Oklahoma. And I'm terrified thinking if I mess up right now, I'm going to break every bone in my body and I'm fighting myself every step going like this and all of a sudden this little rug rat about four years old with skis about this long goes whoom right down the mountain and I'm like what in the world and I recognize that the older I get the safer I want to play it the older we get as a church the louder the scream to stay in the ruts becomes the, the steps to more are uncomfortable because we, we are doing something unknown. And to get more, you, what you have to do is you have to march off the map of what others have done. Most people and most churches won't take these steps because they're scary. But they also won't take them because they're messy. Uh, th this woman had to be willing to upend the routine of her life. The, the regular pattern of her life was upset. They had to be willing to deal with the dust and the fallout of construction in order to make room for what God wanted to do. Just because more was out there, just because deeper was out there, just because next was out there and it was available didn't mean that they would experience those things without a willingness to take next steps that were uncertain. That's where faith comes in. I don't know if you've ever renovated anything in your house, but we've done some of that at our house before. It is messy mama can't keep the house clean when you're tearing everything up and this woman made the decision that even though it was messy I'm committed to more in scripture we have this um, this this beautiful thing for us I think I think it's one of the the, the benefits of the word of God is, is this we we are afforded the blessing of being able to read backwards and see the end from the beginning in, in life, we don't get that blessing. So when we start talking about messy, more moves, it, it, they're more difficult to make because we don't know the end before we ever start. And so it's, it's a challenge. But, but since we can read backwards with the end in mind, i got to stop and ask you to consider a couple of questions. What would have happened if she had not been willing to take these steps for expansion? Just ask yourself that. I've asked myself that. What would have happened in this woman's life if she had not been willing to make the messy decision to tear her house up to make room for the prophet? I would suggest to you, I can't prove it, but I think I might be right. First of all, she would have probably never had a miracle son because it was wrapped up in this relationship with the prophetic in her life. 
Now, now, God can do whatever he wants to do, so maybe he produces a miracle out of nowhere. But maybe the second thing that could have happened, I don't know, just using my imagination a little bit, if she hadn't been willing to do this, maybe God intervenes, brings her a child, but then when he gets sick and dies, she's got no solution and no one to turn to. And what I have recognized is this, is that her legacy would have been lost forever. There would have been no future. So her conclusion to cast aside her preference for a nice, neat, comfortable, and recognizable house ensured that those coming behind her would experience life. She literally took the steps necessary to secure next. And I want you to listen to me very carefully today. I don't want you to get it twisted and misunderstand me. I need you to listen carefully. I am convinced that the steps that we are about to take, that I'm getting ready to talk to you about, the steps that we take now to accommodate more are the only thing standing between us and the eventual death of our baby, our dream, and our church. Some of y'all didn't like that statement because you like it the way it is. Ruts. A rut is a grave with the ends knocked out. The only thing that's standing between us and death is the steps that we're about to take. If we don't make more moves, then there's no more miracle. I also want you to notice that she made these decisions to, to make these moves before she had the need. She, she, had, she had to decide to make the move before she needed the prophet's intervention for her son. In other words, we can't wait too long and we can't wait too late. Listen to this statement right here. Got to get this. In the best days, you have to make these kind of moves. So today, some of us need to recognize that more is needed and that next is necessary, while others who have already come to that recognition must embrace a willingness and a commitment to make more moves regardless of how uncomfortable and inconvenient they may be in this season because our season of next and, I, and our more are unachievable without taking these steps in this season. Listen, more moves don't always make sense. We, we must recognize that taking these kind of steps don't always make sense. In fact, it didn't make sense to build a room for a prophet that was already visiting on a regular basis. If what you're doing is working, then why in the world would you mess with it? I want to submit to you today that the biggest obstacle that we will face as we walk through the more moves that we are taking is this. There will be this logic that the enemy places in our mind because we become so comfortable in what we like that we will begin to say things like this. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So here's the equation. I like, it. I, I like equations that don't involve math. <clears throat> here's the equation. When people recognize their need for more, Plus, they're willing to take risky, unconventional steps. That equals people who see everything that God has for them come to pass. Our church was planted on the premise that we want more. Our church started with the revelation and understanding that more was necessary. And along the way, we have attempted to take steps to allow more to become manifested in our lives. We've done that over and over and over again. 
Along the way, uh, uh, at times, these steps have been messy and they've challenged our preferences and our comfort zone. And I want you to hear me very carefully. In every one of those moments, we have watched people check out and miss the more that was produced by the move. Do I need to say that again? At every turn, when we've taken unconventional steps that didn't seem to make any sense and we just obeyed God, we have watched people check out because it made them uncomfortable and they missed more. Now, this is not always true in every situation, so I'm not, I don't want to use a, a generic canvas or paintbrush and just paint it like this for everybody that's ever walked out of our church. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that a, a, a number, a more than not, when that takes place, I then watch those same people out there no longer able to find the more they thought they were leaving to find because they were unwilling to ride out the uncomfortable moments of change here. So when you're unwilling to make the changes in this moment, the chances of you making the changes out there somewhere are unlikely. And so they miss it. If this is the truth, and I believe it is, more moves produce life in the end, growth demands change, change demands movement. And if we can hang on during the bumpy moments of change, then the more we make, the, the, the moves we make result in miraculous more. The challenge for some of you after today is it's going to get messy and it's not going to be comfortable and you got to be willing to ride that joker long enough to recognize that it was the right decision at the right time and it's producing more. And I want you to be a part of that and I want to be a part of that. I want to remind you of a couple of things I've taught you over the last two years. One of the things I, I dislike about God, I started to say hate, and I was afraid lightning would come out of the ceiling and destroy me. Um, uh, so let me just, I dislike the fact that God makes me live out stuff I preach. Hate that. I said it. Whew. A couple of years ago in the summer, I preached a series called Deliverance Dilemmas, and one of the things I taught you is that Oftentimes we ask God for something and then when he gives us what we ask for, he does so in a manner we did not expect and we do not like. It's in the middle of more moves that we must decide whether or not we are going to miss his provision simply because we don't like his deliverance system. I, I, I taught you that out of the life of Moses because the children of Israel are in bondage to the Egyptians. They begin to cry out year after year, decade after decade, century after 400 years. They're crying out, set us free, God. Set us free, God. Set us free, God. God finally comes through, sends them this joker named Moses, and they don't like him. And so they, res they resist deliverance. I taught you from that story that if we're not careful, like the Israelites, too often we summarily dismiss the delivery system of deliverance. And this takes place because we become comfortable with our own preferences. Therefore, we don't give the delivery system a chance. We often become more committed to our comfort than our growth. And I just need to remind you this morning that God is always committed to your growth more than he's committed to your comfort. I don't know what God y'all been walking after, but I've discovered that God likes to make me uncomfortable. Yeah. So I want to challenge you that you need to recognize that for growth to take place, 
We must separate our preferences from God's purpose and his plans so that we don't overlook God's provision because you prefer your preferences. I am convinced that American Christians have allowed our preferences to become our God. So if somebody doesn't preach it the way we want them to preach it, we take off. If, if, if you don't sing the songs I want you to sing, I'm out. If it's not the volume I like, I'll, okay, I already preached that message. Then in January, uh, not understanding where God was taking us, didn't even know what was happening, I, I, I preached this message to you um, in a series we called Did Where Are You? And I made this statement that as we mature in our walk with Christ, one of the indicators uh, uh, that we're reaching higher levels of maturity is that as parents we step aside to make room for, the, for who and what is coming behind us so that their dreams will be able to be taken uh, take this to a further and higher place and those are important lessons for us to learn over the last 16 years we've tried to live by those lessons Julie and I recognize that over the last 16 years, what has taken place, some of y'all haven't been here from the beginning, that's okay, you've been here uh, five years, 10 years, 10 months, I don't know, but in the process, I hope, um, because of proven track record and consistency, what has taken place is that uh, for Julie and I, you have learned to trust us. I recognize that trust is the currency of the kingdom. You've trusted us when we stand up and tell you that we've heard from God. You've trusted us to be right. I need you to trust us again that we're right. By the way, everything I'm getting ready to share with you, I've shared with, uh, we have two teams that run our church that do everything, an elders team and a pastoral team. We sit down with our elders team, and if you don't know who that is, that's, I'm going to throw them under the bus right now. Tari Watkins, Josh Garza, Esther Nix, and Phil Wilkerson. So if you have any more questions, you can ask them. But I can assure you of this. When we shared what God was saying to us, they looked at us and said, we don't necessarily understand it, it makes us uncomfortable, it's scary, but we believe you're right. These are the moves that we must take that are necessary for our church to position itself to become everything that God wants to become. To some of you, this will make absolutely no sense because we are in the best days of our church. I don't know if you realize where you've been going to church lately, but you are in the best days of this church. Things are better right now than they've ever been. To others, this will be inconvenient, and it will be uncomfortable, but these are the necessary steps for us to get to next. So here it is. Let me just, I'm going to throw a bomb. Here you go. The truth is, is that I have come to grips. It's been a difficult journey to come to grips with this, but I believe I'm right. And I believe I've heard from God. The fact is, is that we have taken you as far down this track towards more as we can take you. The reason I say that for, for us is because some of you have confused me in particular because I'm in the pulpit all the time as the source. And I am not the source. I have never been the source. I am nothing more than a channel. This is his church. This was his idea, his plan. And we just participated. But some of you think that in order for us to get to more, I got to be right here every Sunday because I'm your preference. Our next and best days are not determined by me being in the pulpit here at Passion every week. Our best and our next days are not going to be determined by me making every decision 
The truth is that our more, the more that is for us and the best days that are for us, if I'm not careful, can be obstructed by me. I have learned that old keys don't open new doors. In order for us to get to the best days, i got to get out of the way. Julie and I have uh, spent the last six weeks uh, driving like crazy people. I think somewhere in the, uh, conservatively, we've driven 4,500 miles, but probably closer to six. Over the last six weeks, we've just been going everywhere, doing everything. And I, I don't know if I had this uh, revelation while I was driving, because um, have any of you ever gotten behind some idiot in the left lane that is left lane is for passing only, that will stay in the left lane for miles, miles, like, like miles, like I want to, I want to stab somebody in the neck, miles, I want to get out of my way, flashing, honking, y'all, I know y'all too holy for all that, but when I'm trying to get somewhere, get out of my way, here's the, here's the revelation, they were annoying, but I was still getting to where I needed to go. I just wasn't getting there fast enough. They were slowing me down. Here's the revelation. I can stay in the way, and we'll still probably get to where most of everywhere God wants us to get, but I'll slow us down. And it is incumbent upon me to get out of the left lane so I don't slow, slow you down. So here's what's going to happen. Listen carefully so you don't misrepresent what's about to happen. Next week, Julie and I are stepping aside as lead pastors at Passion. We are not leaving. There's too much more out there. We are not leaving. If anybody comes to you and say, well, Steve and Julie quit. Stab, never mind. I was going to say stab them in the neck, but I know my crowd. Y'all, some of y'all now actually probably do it. No, just tell them they're wrong. Correct them. What's going to happen is this. We're still going to be very involved. In fact, this is what's happening. I'm moving over because of what God has said about being a father here. I'm moving over into a founding pastor role, which means this. It means a couple things. And one, I'm going to be able to be a cheerleader. Two, I'll provide historical context. And three, I'll preach here once a month. Julie's still going to oversee our worship ministry. We're still going to be involved. I, um, as I was battling this out with God, I just told him, y'all got to know how I talk to God. I'm blunt with y'all. I'm blunt with God. I said, God, I'm not doing this if this is going to hurt our church. And I got to have something, some proven trusted leaders to turn my baby over to. And God has made provision. And so next Sunday, we will be transitioning to Pastor John and Pastor Lori Leggett as our lead pastors. Between now and December, they're in the process of selling their home and they will be moving to Oklahoma City. And these proven and trusted leaders will help passion us get to our more and our best days. Every church they have ever pastored, without exception, has exploded in growth. And I am expecting nothing less than that here. We are asking you to allow them to become your pastors. They are our pastors as well. Some of y'all don't know that, but over the course of the last four or five years, Pastor John and Pastor Lori have become our pastors. They've helped us walk through so much. They're literally, there are over two churches in the Wichita Falls area. We have three churches here between this church and Passion Iglesia Bethany and Passion Iglesia South. Now, 
This is all about expansion and more. All of a sudden, we become a five-campus congregation overnight. We're going to submit to their leadership. We're going to stay right here and hold their hands up as we take new territory for the king. And you say, well, what are you going to do, Steve? You're just going to preach once a month and then golf the other three weeks of the month? What are you going to do? That was the plan. When I was about 65, I was going to turn this thing loose and I was going to go golf. And unfortunately, it didn't work out that way, I don't guess. But I've been asked to assume a position at our movement's headquarters and I'm being asked to do an unbelievably daunting task of caring for 7,000 ministers nationwide and to assist and care for 1,600 pastors all across this nation as the director of clergy development. That's what I'm going to spend my time doing when I'm not here day to day. When I'm not out there doing that, I'm going to be right stinking there worshiping my rear off because this is the best place to do it. I'm asking you to trust us. We've got to leave the safety of the ruts. It would be very comfortable for us to just continue what we're doing and I'll kill this place. I want you to go with us and continue to look for the treasure we would miss if we stay in the safety of the same. I want you to know this is not a sad day. This is simply a new day. New adventures, new territory, new exploits. And I don't want to miss the more, and I don't want you to miss the more, and I don't want to miss the move of God. I'm asking you to go with us, to lock in with us. More is the driving motivation, and we can get there together. We've experienced some incredible things in our past, but we are poised through these steps to see the biggest, craziest things that God has ever done at Passion Church in the days to come. You say, well, why? Why? Last statement, I'll get out your way. Why? We are attempting something so big that unless God intervenes, it will fail. Father, I thank you that your word is true. You order our steps. And I thank you that you still speak to us and guide us and direct us. And we know that without a shadow of a doubt, we don't have to doubt it even for one second. Even though this may not be our preference, there are going to be people in the room that feel that way and I get it. There are days that it's going to be uncomfortable and we wish we could just go back to what we're familiar with. I get that too. But what we know to be true is this. This is your church. This is your plan. You saw this day before we did, and you made plans. We thank you that you've ordered the steps of your servants to make this possible, and we trust you. God, I ask you this morning that we would lock in for what may at moments feel like a bumpy ride. I pray that we would lock in because we recognize that you've done everything that you've done in our history. That's all because of you. We only had one part to play in the whole thing, and that was to obey. And here we are again. Here we are again. And we obey what you've said and we believe that out of that we're going to see the greatest days as a body that will impact our, our community and our state and now another state for your glory and for your honor and that souls will be won and that lives will be changed and new territory will be taken as we obey what you've told us to do. Give us the guts 
and the stamina and the stick to to stay in lockstep with you even when it forces us to make moves that hurt. We leave the safety of ruts so that we don't die by the death of sameness. We'll follow the cloud and the fire to see all that you have for us. We ask you to do this. Watch over us, guide us, heal heart hearts, confuse minds. Speak clearly, I pray, to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys more than you know. Amen. Can we honor Pastor Steve and Pastor Julie? Amen. I know that there's only been one man speaking to my life for longer than Pastor Steve, and that's my dad. And so I'm so excited for what God is going to do in y'all's family and here at Passion. Amen. Amen. If you're new today, my name is Andrew. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.